This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Christine, one of the hosts of the podcast, and I am here with Rich, the founder of Unseminary. Rich, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, really well, actually. This Today's article is about the fall, and fall is one of my favorite times of year. Uh, mine too. <laughs> but the, today's also, article is also about budgets, which I'm really surprised about, because that's not something you really want to talk to me about, typically. <laughs> You've caught me! So <laughs> folks that don't know, Christine is my lovely wife, and uh, so yeah, this may be a little bit of tension in, uh, not really tension, just a point of conversation. <laughs> you know, it could be partly because in my work life, when we're outside of the home, spend a lot of time thinking about budgets. I've often said that um, spreadsheets are the uh, are the language of leadership and that we have to use the way we spend money as an organization is uh, a part of how you articulate your values and articulate how you get things done. So it could be that I just inherently trust you. It's not that it's not that I don't uh, like talking about money. It's that I just trust you, dear. And oh, thank however you, it is, however it is you want to spend your money is fine. All right. Well, today's <laughs> article is called Five Church Budget Items to Rethink for Fall 2020. Yeah, so I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but as we look into the coming months, there's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty on the horizon. I, you know, I think in some ways... So being a leader, we have to be optimists. I think good leaders at their core are optimists. They see the future and we're hope dealers and like, hey, things are going to be great and the future's good and we're going to make things better. And and that's true. Uh, but, you know, the other side of it is the whole issue around, you know, the tremendous pressure that our organizations, our churches are under because of COVID and the, in the ensuing economic crisis is still impacting a lot of us. It's We're not out of the woods yet. I think there's been this idea that like, hey, maybe somehow we would, um, you know, have a few weeks of reopening and then, you know, we would be back to normal. Well, that is clearly not the case. Um, you know, I've said this in other contexts that, you know, our, the pivot that we all made in March, we made that pivot in days and it impacted us for months where the current phase we're in is going to really be with us for months and may impact our church churches for years. And so as we're looking to how we're spending money this fall, I think we still need to be looking in short-term incre increments in the same way that we made decisions in the spring around, hey, like we need to make some spending decisions and investments now. Uh, although they may not have the same intensity that they had in the spring, I do think there's some unique situations that all of our churches find ourselves in this fall. And so these are five of them that I want us all to think about, you know, as we think about you know, how we're spending, investing the resources that God has given us. All right. So the first one is rethink partnerships. Are you meaning partnerships with other churches, other ministries? Yeah, great question. So, you know, a big part of what we're talking about today's article is really how do we act to ensure the long-term resiliency of our organization? How do we make decisions today that will help us be around for months or years to come? And, and you know, many churches have found that one of the way to relieve budgetary pressure is by partnering with other like-minded ministries uh, in the community. So like at a, at a base level, let's just take something like, um, you know, cutting the grass at your, you know, at your church as base as that is you, we've all got grass. If, well, most of us have grass, if you've got a church and you got to get that grass cut and you might have a, a lawnmower, you, maybe you get, you pay some kids in the youth group to cut it, or maybe you have a, a company that comes and does that work. Um, rather than looking to buy, to make that next capital purchase, if you've got to buy a, you know, a lawnmower this year, what if you called up four or five other churches in the community and said, Hey, what are you guys doing on this front? Maybe there's a way for us to work together. You know, another way, and we talk about this in the article is maybe talking through what we do on student ministry side. You know, I know there's a lot of organizations out there, Young Life or 
um, Youth for Christ, who probably would welcome a call from a church like yours to say, is there a way that we could work together creatively on the financial side to help student ministry in this coming year? Like instead of us maybe rehiring a position or hiring someone, maybe we should be looking at partnering together. Maybe there's a way that we could work together. What if you challenged other ministry, the ministry leaders in your church to look at every single line item that they're planning on spending this fall and ask them, like it's a thought exercise. Is there a way that we could partner with another ministry to have the same outcome, but work together with them. Adjacent ministries or organizations that you already have pre-existing relationships would really be the best place to start. So, you know, another way to do this, uh, we ran into this in our little cluster in New Jersey. We realized, hey, there's a number of portable churches and all kind of the same heart, you know, people who are are outreaching people. And, um, you know, we, we started purchasing uh, these portable baptismals and you know they're not cheap they're they're mm-hmm. expensive to do and so we actually ended up partnering with a, co- a couple other churches and said hey instead of us all buying these what if we just pooled these together and started a bit of a um, baptiz- baptismal cartel where like we <laughs> we all agree hey like we'll we'll buy one but we'll let you guys use use ours and vice versa and that would prevent us you know because once you get to five six seven campuses you know as long as as long as we could partner with a couple churches that had those and we, as long as we didn't do our baptisms on the same day, uh, we could probably make wise use of that. So again, pushing your people to think, this article is really primarily for executive pastors, pushing them to be thinking, hey, how should we be rethinking partnerships in this season? All right. Secondly, rethink hiring relationships. Are there churches that are hiring right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So actually in the last two weeks, I've talked to people at two of the, the kind of largest um, hiring firms. So these are churches, these are organizations that churches hire uh, to go out and find people. And both of them are, while they're not like, hey, we're swimming in all kinds of new hires, uh, they both are experiencing churches that are out saying, hey, we need to hire people in this season. We need to be out looking for people. And so that hasn't stopped. There are, um, you know, growing churches that are making an impact are still looking for uh, help in this season. And so uh, the thing that, that I'm challenging you in this particular section is to rethink hiring relationship. Listen, I know for me, my bias, and I've said this, I might've even said this on a past podcast, my bias is to towards full-time staff that I think we should be hiring people that are giving us 40 plus hours a week. They should be on our team. They should be, um, you know, members of our staff and they're W2 in the, in the short, in the short term language that we want to use, uh, they're W2 employees. But I think this is a season for us to rethink that. Is that assumption correct? Should we be looking at maybe 1099 contract positions uh, for certain areas that we could get higher leverage on? So maybe we should be looking at independent contractors. Um, you know, maybe this is a season where, uh, you know, we could hire, you know, a discreet individual to do that work. You know, uh, if we're looking for, yeah, so so that's really what I'm pushing on here is maybe be thinking about different types of employees. So whether that's 1099, like a contract employee, or maybe it's a part-time employee, or maybe it's a whole outsource solution. So, um, you know, partners that we use here at Unseminary, um, you know, you might be looking for graphic design help. Maybe you use someone like Design Pickle. They're a uh, they're a service provider who you hire, you pay a flat monthly rate. You'll actually can get a dedicated graphic designer with them for $1,000 a month, which is crazy. Uh, same day turnaround. Uh, or they have a solution that's half as much as that, that takes, which is, we don't use the $1,000 a month that on seminary, we use the one that's half as much as that, that takes a couple days to turn around, but it's unlimited design. That might be the kind of thing. Or there's a, you know, or 
organization out there called Video Husky. Um, we're using them. If you've been hanging around, we're starting to do more video stuff at on Seminary. And um, again, they're about 500 bucks a month and we, we could do, you know, 10 videos a month with them. Um, so great, you know, great value. Or maybe, uh, you know, an organization like Belay uh, Solutions, they uh, provide virtual assistants and you could buy as many as or as few as 10 hours a week of a virtual assistant to help you on the administrative side. So again, what I'm pushing you on is to rethink your hiring assumptions. This could be a time of year, time of the season that we should be thinking differently about hiring. Maybe try some different configurations than you've looked at in the past. All right. Those are some great suggestions. Number three, rethink the budget process. All right. So uh, when we think about the budget process and we think about how long we think about, um, you know, planning, most churches that I know that will that have a budget process, first of all, you need to have one. Uh, it, 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 most people think in 12 month increments, they, they think about, okay, what are we doing in this next year? We, we, they, they come up with some version of let's plan the work and then we figure out how much it costs and then pull that together. Well, if you're looking for a bit of an excuse to rethink that, I think this is the season to think about it. I think really we should be looking at a shorter time frame. What does the next 12 weeks, the next three months look like on the spend side and on the investment side? What does the next six months look like? Um, we're probably going to need some shorter increments here until we get back to normalization. Frankly, there is enough changing happen in the environment still uh, for us to forecast a year from now. If I can just be honest on that, a year is a long time from now. We've got a presidential election. We've got, um, you know, the uncertainty of second waves or third waves, depending on how you read what's happened with coronavirus. There's a lot of uncertainty in the environment. Uh, maybe we should be thinking about a shorter, uh, shorter term uh, budget process with obviously an eye for looking back to that long-term 12 month eventually. Uh, but in this current season, we might want to look for something shorter. Okay. Uh, we have rethink donor development. All right. So no budget consideration is complete without looking at both the spend and revenue side of the equation. So oftentimes I think churches just think about how we're going to spend money. Uh, and this might be a frustration. I know having sat in that kind of second seat, executive pastor seat, I always found this part of the conversation frustrating because it's like, most of my staff would only think about how I'm going to spend money. I don't think in fact, over the 20 years in local church ministry, I ever had anyone come to me and say, Hey, here's some, here's some ways that I could help our area generate more money. Uh, but we need to be thinking about that. We need to be, and pushing our people to be thinking about that. We need to be them to be thinking about, Hey, how are we bringing in new re revenue? And so, uh, that's really the point of this section. All right. So you've got three ways that you could engage your donors more in the season. Yeah. So the first one is weekly offering talks. So I've done a lot of coaching with churches, a lot of consulting. And, and one of the things that I, this is the highest leverage or one of the highest leverage things I would think you could do, all of us could do and improve upon is the two minutes before either in person or online, you uh, either receive the offering or, to, or tell people to go give. Um, those are incredibly important two minutes. We need to infuse those minutes uh, with uh, vision. We need to infuse them with energy. We need to have a plan for them. We need to have pictures. We need to, to really leverage that time to communicate to people when they give to your ministry, good things happen. Life change takes place. And so what are we doing in, in the offering talk section of your service? Again, in person or online. Uh, both of those we need to make sure we're, we're taking advantage of. We're not just rolling over that. We're not just saying, oh, okay, like, um, you know, now you can give or click here to give that, that sort of thing. And secondly, we've got monthly donor updates. Yeah. So most churches, again, best practice is you provide an annual, um, you know, report like a, a vision kind of document that communicates, hey, this is how we spent your money in the last year. 
frankly, I think this is a season where we need to up that in a communication rather than looking at that annually. What if we looked at that monthly? I know that's crazy to say. What if we sent out, uh, we typically send out uh, quarterly or our best practice is to send out a quarterly giving statement that would say, hey, this is how much you've given in this last quarter and, um, you know, thank you. And, and then here's like, a, again, it's vision driven piece. Here's all of what God's doing in our church. This season, um, this coming fall, I think it would be good for you to increase that temp, tempo, tempo to, to monthly, to be out in front of people regularly communicating to them, hey, thank you so much for giving. You know, maybe it's, maybe, and it doesn't need to be something complex. It literally could be a piece of mail that you mail to them, or it could be a video that you shoot, or it could be an email that you send that has some, almost like an infographic. It doesn't need to be complex, but getting out in front of your donors to say thank you, which is, I know the next point we're getting to, <laughs> but communicate, hey, when you give, good things happen and, and keeping in pace with with that um, you know we're people's financial picture we know is in flux and you know we've talked a lot in other circles we actually we covered it way back like in March but we haven't really talked a lot recently in a seminar just all about the PPP and the you know the kind of temporary liquidity that the government's pushed in well that is starting to recede we're seeing that go away we need to stay in front of our donors now uh, because their financial picture is changing we want to keep communicating with them uh, you know how God is using the church and how their investment is really helping fuel uh, make things go you know better in the future all right um increase the thank you process all right so uh people who continue to give in this season are truly sacrificing and our churches need to increase the thank you process uh, when someone gives to your church for the first time what happens what do you do um, you know, do we send them a thank you note? Do we send them a book? What, what do we do? When someone decides to give regularly, what do you do? What is, that should trip something in your system that acknowledges, wow, we are so thankful that you give. Uh, you know, maybe there's a way, uh, you know, maybe there's other tripwires. It could be uh, someone who gives consistently for a year. It could be someone who uh, increases their giving. If you see kind of a change in giving, either up or down, I actually don't think it's a bad thing to look at the downward slope. Oftentimes, um, you know, and again, in the past, I've used that with campus pastors in the, not in a punitive way, like, hey, these people are giving less. But what's going on in these people's lives? What Pastoral is pastorally care. happening? Because these people are indicating through their giving that something is changing. And, and sometimes our pastoral leaders know, but you know what, frankly, a lot of times we don't. And we don't need to lead that conversation with, hey, I noticed that you used to give $500 a month. The last three months in a row, you gave less than $200, which flagged in our system. We're doing a system follow-up. No, no, that's not that. It's just a check-in. Hey, how are you doing? What's God doing in your life? What's happening? And you'd be amazed that using that data how that ultimately drives great pastoral care conversations. That's good. All right. Fifth, rethink expenses in light of the need for surplus. Okay. One of the things that COVID has taught us is that we all need to look at our budget budgets uh, in really in with the idea, the clear headed thinking around generating surplus as a ministry. Frankly, uh, churches that are doing well in this season are ones that went into this ministry with surplus on their books. If they didn't have surplus on their books, this has been a tough season. It's been, it was scary back in March and we're not sure about the fall and we're making, um, you know, fearful decisions and we're pulling back and all that. If, if you've got money on your books, if you've got surplus, then you're able to make stronger decisions. And so, you know, our strong recommendation is that in this season, our churches need to be working towards having 12 month surplus on hand to give us that runway or 12 months 12 months that's a, that's a lot yeah I, I, I didn't i didn't i was 
So no, don't freak out people. 12 weeks, not 12 there months. I go. was translating in my brain uh, thinking as I was speaking, I was, you know, I don't know if there's ever gremlins inside your brain. As I was speaking, I wrote in this three months, but I was thinking I should have wrote that in weeks because actually weeks mm-hmm. is a better, most church leaders can tell you or executive pastors can tell you what's your average weekly income. Right. So get 12 times that and that's really your target. That's really where we should be going. I would suggest that again, this could be a thought exercise with your leaders. If you're generating surplus and you're not at the 12 weeks at this point, do the math to figure out at the current rate, we will get to the point where we have 12 weeks of surplus, you know, so many months out, five months out, six months out, eight months out, and ask the question, what do we need to cut to accelerate that process? How do we get, you know, two 12 weeks of surplus or three months of surplus faster? What, what can we do? Um, and then I think the other thing, frankly, in this season, I know churches, I've talked to a lot of executive pastors recently, and, you know, there are churches who in this season have generated excess surplus, and um, that's a good thing. And and resist the temptation to to spend that surplus. You know, the, the, there's going to come a day where there'll be some sort of rainy day that you're going to need that. And so if you don't have at least this three months, I would continue, um, you know, accumulating towards that spot. Now, if you've got more than that, I think it's okay for you to set a slightly larger target and move towards, let's say you got five months. I think it's okay to go to your leadership team and say, hey, I'd like to get one more month. Can we get to six month uh, surplus, you know, before we kind of adjust our budgets? Again, uh, this, and even in this area, I would say I have changed and shifted, you know, over years. Uh, we don't want to over accumulate. And, and most churches, they don't, you know, have this problem where they, they have so much, you know, surplus sitting on their books that they find themselves distracted, frankly, because they're just sitting on so much cash. That's not most churches problems. Most churches problems is we run too much hand to mouth. We don't, we don't actually have enough surplus on hand, which, which then again, makes us scared. We lead out of a place of fear. All right. That's really helpful suggestions and lots of stuff to be thinking about. Is there anything else uh, that you'd like to share with us, Rich? Okay. So we put together, yes, absolutely. So we put together a free video training uh, that I would love for you to pick up. So just go to the bottom of the show notes, click on that link. You just It's free, but you just need to give your email address so we know where to send it. And what this is a new leadership talk that I've put together and it's targeted at helping us understand the season we're in. So I really do think that your church has been is impacted in three waves by COVID-19. And so what I want to do is help you pick apart where are you now? Uh, where are we actually at in the impact that COVID-19 is having on your your church? This might be a helpful kind of talk for you to use in a staff training or might be helpful to kind of spur conversation. So we've also provided not only this video, but also a discussion guide uh, to help you and your team wrestle through that. Again, it's absolutely free because we love church leaders. Just go on there, click the link. uh, That'll give you access to it. Uh, We'd love to give that to you as our free gift to you. Excellent. Well, thank you, Rich. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You can find this and more helpful articles at unseminary.com. 